0: Assalamu alaikum, welcome back to the Dadhood Podcast. It has been a while since we've had an episode, but we are now back with episode 11. This episode is with Zarrar. Uh, He's a father that has to deal with a child that has severe allergies. He also works uh, in a high position in the sales industry and also he is an avid reader. So I'm sure you'll find this episode very interesting and beneficial. If you are new, please do make sure that you subscribe to our channel and you can follow myself on Instagram at Shuaib Muhammad for more dad related content assalamu alaikum welcome back to the dadhood podcast and today i'm joined by a good friend zarar uh, zarar is he's going to be taking us through multiple different things uh, and some very unique things especially in terms of relating to his son uh his uh allergies that he has and how he as a father deals with that um and also a few other things in terms of career time management but let's see how the conversation conversation goes uh, welcome, Zarar. The first uh, question that we're going to give to you uh, what we usually start off with our guest is uh, How many children do you have? I kind of already spoiled it by saying that you have a son. Um, but how old were you when you had your son as well?
1: Uh, as-salamu Alaikum, bro. First of all, Jazakallah khair, Thank you for inviting me onto the uh, podcast. Very honored. Um, yeah, so I have one son. Uh, his name is Musa, and he is three years old now. So that would have made me just turn 30 when I had my son. Um, okay. Scary, but good. <laughs> good to be a parent.
0: Okay, Alhamdulillah. Did you time that to like hit your 30s? Like, I'm going to have my son at my 30s, not before, not after.
1: No, actually, you know what? I, I wanted to have my son a bit early with my wife, but um, we had a number of uh, sort of pre-existing plans that would have just made it difficult, very difficult. Uh, And so it was just kind of uh, a practical thing that just happened at the time. Um, So not very clearly planned but um, Alhamdulillah it was the right time um, for me. Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah,
0: Alhamdulillah. that's good, that's good. So. Uh, obviously, we've been we've been chatting for a while uh, about a, a number of different things whenever we meet up. Uh, it can be to do with fatherhood, it can be to do with reading because we know that you're an avid reader. Uh, it could be to do with time management, about career. But I think where I want to start off with is and where I found your uh, perspective to be quite unique is when you told me that your son has a number of allergies and um, you have to, you and your wife, have to be very careful and very sensitive about that and actually it's not was it i can't remember but i think you said it wasn't something that you expected uh uh these number of allergies you didn't really expect them um uh to, to to occur in in your children so um when your son was born and when the checks were happening it takes you by surprise so how 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 did you and and your wife start to deal with that and and what were some of the allergies and how were you how do you now even currently um uh, manage some of those
1: yeah, actually, it's um, something that I completely didn't expect. You know, um, when my son was born, of course, you know, the doctors tell you really healthy, normal, alhamdulillah. Um pregnancy went well, smoothly. The delivery went smoothly. Um, and then I think it was about maybe seven months in or eight months in when we started to introduce some other foods outside of, you know, what, what is natural from mother. Um, and actually my, my parents in law came from abroad. Uh, and I think this was close to about the eight or nine month sort of uh, time period or where my son was born, after he was born. And um, we decided to take uh, my parents-in-law out to a a restaurant just to, you know, it's a nice thing to do. And um, we went to a Lebanese restaurant and as you know, you know, you get hummus and you get um, tahini, uh, which is sesame seed oil that is um, uh, mixed into the, the hummus. And at this point, we have no idea that my son has any kind of issues with food because we've been, you know, experimenting with different things. We haven't really seen any negative consequences of any food. Right. And um, uh, without thinking and was, really, was this
0: his first time going to a restaurant or eating out?
1: This this was his first time going out to a restaurant. So we were a bit okay. like, okay, let's be cautious. Let's see, you know, you know, let's just be cautious. We don't know, right? However, my son had had hummus before so i was very confident yeah i was very confident mm-hmm. that this is no issue for him um we got some bread uh maybe dipped it in less than an half an inch of <laughs> hummus i uh, gave it to him and within about 30 seconds his lip had swollen up his pathways for his ears started to swell up and uh he was crying like crazy um, and he was he was about uh, almost a year old you said yeah, he was just under a year, maybe nine months old. Um, so we were very scared, like he, he was breaking out in spots and he was really uncomfortable. Uh, obviously a tiny baby, can't communicate what's going on and, but we can physically see uh, a severe reaction to something and and at the time we didn't quite pinpoint what it was because he had tried a few different things, right? He had some chicken, he had some... Um, so uh, anyway, so we're in a panic. So uh, I got my parents-in-law just come from abroad <laughs> from Pakistan and it's like day three of them here and uh, first time taking them to a restaurant and uh, i find myself like driving like a madman in a car to get my son to the nearest hospital um and alhamdulillah um, on the way well uh my son actually uh his airways were really getting uh, like stuck really and we didn't know what to do and obviously we were quite worried but at one point he um actually vomited in the car and alhamdulillah i think that kind of cleared up some of what was going on um but obviously it was a manic uh, manic situation because um i'm the driver my son's in the the car seat next to me my wife and her parents are in the back and my wife is trying to like pat my son's all the vomit comes out but alhamdulillah um managed to get that sorted went to the hospital and it said your son has not allergies, <laughs> and uh, he must have eaten something. And we just started to play back what happened, and we realized it must yeah. have been the, the tahini sauce that, and the
0: yeah, of course. Oh my god, that, I I I couldn't imagine, I've like, in that situation. How uh, scary it must be. I mean, you're you're laughing at it now, looking back on it, uh, and and it, it can kind of maybe become a fond memory at family gatherings and whatnot. Do you remember when you went out and this happened? But I'm sure at the time your heart was racing, your wife's heart was racing, everybody was worried because you you had no idea what it was going to be, you know, and alhamdulillah, it turned out to be a common allergy, which is a nut allergy and there's a lot of medication and there's a lot of uh, ways to kind of get around that and solve that. Uh, of course, it can be, um, uh, uh, it can, in extreme cases, uh, be quite fatal, but, you know, alhamdulillah, it wasn't, because I'm sure, like, if it was me, I'm probably thinking it's going to be the worst thing in the world, and this is this is going to go really really wrong. So, uh, how, how how you know what was going through your mind at the time when when she said nut allergy? Were you like relieved that okay, like obviously it's not it's not amazing to have a nut allergy, but were you relieved that it wasn't something worse?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I was just glad it was a reaction to something, and it wasn't like in that moment like yeah. life threatening. I mean, it was in a sense because um, um, the nut allergy it can lead as you say to a life-threatening situation and because it blocks yeah. the airways in the sun in my son's case it is actually life-threatening but the quantity that he had ingested was so small that okay. it, it, it was sort of manageable so um the way that the doctors explained um my son's case is that it can lead to very serious consequences but there's like a two-step process that you take when you have a child with allergies like this so the first step is they need antihistamines in their system. So usually that's delivered in like a, uh, a liquid form. Um, so you would just drink like a equivalent of like a Pyroton tablet that we would have if we have hay fever, for example. Um, and that usually calms my son down quite well. Within about half an hour, he's, he's chilled. Um, if it's something more significant, um, and my son has other allergies, and this is where it really comes into play, is you need an EpiPen so um that's okay. something that you would uh many people must know about this is uh, it's like a uh, adrenaline shot that you basically ingest into your thigh uh, and that just pushes uh, that through your system and relieves the symptoms of uh, an allergic reaction um, but i do know of other people uh, who actually have even severer uh, nut allergies than my son um, i actually read of a story as well of someone on a plane um, where someone actually opened a bag of nuts and it was yeah, an I've airborne, yeah, it was yeah. crazy. Like someone actually died from an airborne, uh, peanut, um, um bag that was circulated through the, the cabin. And so I think some airlines are now banning the use of nuts and actually it's becoming more prevalent, right? Like a, a lot of my lo- friends in the local area, they also have similar conditions. Um, my son has eczema, for example, and apparently there's some link between nut allergies and eczema, which I don't right. really know. Uh, understand and i don't think doctors know either but um, um it is quite common i find these days right so
0: after the the, the nut allergy uh, how did you guys then go about uh, dealing with that you know there are many foods that uh, that contain nuts and um you don't want to deprive your child of any nutrition or any foods and also if you in in you know in the household if your wife or yourself you're cooking certain meals for yourself it's easy just to feed that to, 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 to your child. So how did you guys go about doing it?
1: So actually, it was quite difficult for, I'd say, the next year after that point because um, we had a number of other inc- incidences because many foods, uh, especially when you're cooking in an like Asian household, sometimes you have like uh, pre-made masalas or spices, right? And um, sometimes there are trace quantities of uh, things that my son is allergic to, so initially we were like, okay, let's stay clear of nuts completely. Let's make it a nut-free environment. Although I was so upset with that because I love, I love, I love having different uh, nuts in the house. Um, it, it's been tough for me, but it's, it's the right thing to do. Um, so we cleared out nuts from our house, um, and uh, we then started to feed our son um, various kind of Asian foods that we would be eating. Right. And we noticed he would always be like scratchy and like get red. And we're like, oh, there's something here that we're missing. There must yeah. be some other allergies, right? Uh, and so over time, actually we, we did some trial and error. Um, we did like a food diary, which is recommended by the NHS as well, which is just take a seven day check of what you're feeding your child and, and note down any reactions and try and isolate what other foods could be affecting your child. Uh, and through that process, we uh essentially ruled out quite a few other things so like he has an issue with eggs which is a big issue because it's found in a lot of different foods um he has a bit of a sensitivity to certain milk um cow's milk uh, is a bit better with goat's milk um or oat milk which is you know not based on on those animals um and really we just adjusted his um meal plans from ours so he does eat slightly better than us to be honest like he has a very (laughs) well aware prepared meal plan um, and we're just really careful based on the allergies we know of Um, but this was at say I would say a year and a half Um, but there was then like several other issues that we started to notice and this is where it became really tricky so I was speaking actually to another brother that we both know a lovely brother called Ibrahim and uh, he lives in uh, the Slough area not far from me and his child also uh, had some uh, allergies and he actually recommended me a uh, a website that you can submit um, a request to check against 250 various um, food groups or or food types and they send you a report back and let you know what you're sensitive to Um, and we did that Um, essentially they take a hair sample and they test um, your hair Uh, and we came back with like a laundry list of various things that could affect my son and Although it was uh, scary to see that, because you're like, what? Well, what do I feed? What do I feed my son? Because he's allergic to everything <laughs> in the world. Um, but it, you kind of adjust over time, and my wife has, alhamdulillah, uh, she's been really great at sort of adjusting to his needs. Um, uh, although it is, it is a bit of extra work, I would say. Uh, we're back
0: just after uh, some technical difficulties, you can see Sarah's got a pair of headphones on now so uh, hopefully uh, any sound issues will be fixed from here on. So uh, we were speaking about how you got this sample um, from from the doctors that uh, you know, you, you send a hair sample over, they test it and then they, it comes back with anything that your son might be sensitive to that might cause any sort of allergic reactions. Uh, so. From then on, so what were some of those things? And uh, from then on, how did you and your wife manage to uh, kind of change your whole lifestyle and become, make, I mean, I'm sure it's not easy uh or, or like it hasn't become like at this point i'm um, not that it's, it's probably not second nature because you, you still have to be careful but i'm sure you've mm. managed some systems created some systems within your life that have made it a bit more manageable to look out for these things and to be careful uh with certain foods around your son
1: yeah for sure so um i guess the first thing is that we i live uh, my parents also live with me which is handled as a blessing um they have their own uh interesting dietary requirements. Um, so what happens is um, in the house, we, we go for our sort of shopping runs, our Sainsbury's, our Tesco's, etc. cetera. And um, sometimes uh, things get missed. So normally I would, you know, before I buy something new uh, that we haven't really had in the house before, I just check the back of the packet, make sure there's no clear, you know, like uh, allergy issues for my son. Um, but sometimes uh, it, it's forgotten by um, my parents or my my brother or uh, or, or other people in the house. Uh, And so what we do is we just make sure before we give Musa anything, we double check um, the packaging. Um, We also make things pretty much from scratch for him uh, that we know are safe and are not on the red list. Um, And in terms of the actual list, um, there are quite um, uh, a variety of things that my son has sensitivities to. But the way that they rate it is through what they call like a rag status or like a a, a traffic light status. So a red, amber, green system. So red is he cannot have that uh, particular food because it's dangerous for him. Um, Amber or or orange is um, he has a sensitivity to it. So there's a chance it would affect him and then uh, sort of green or yellow is a very low sensitivity to it so he can have it in certain quantities um okay. and surprise surprisingly like i'll give you an example um my son he loves strawberries yeah masha'Allah he loves strawberries um yeah. however the report says he has an like a, an orange status uh sensitivity towards it now I... he he can eat it And on some days, he's absolutely fine and he can have like 15 strawberries, no problem, (laughs) mashallah. Other days, he'll have like two or three and he's like scratching, he's red and he has to have an antihistamine. So what we try to do is um, use the the test uh, RAG status as a guideline to say, okay, this is definitely a no. And here's some um, green and amber uh, and really just vary his diet and see if he kind of develops over time, because one thing that we were advised by the doctors is, uh, children can actually outgrow some allergies, uh, even including actually symptoms like eczema can be outgrown by some children. Um, so really, uh, the recommendation was to experiment and see how things go uh, and have regular checks with the doctors. So, uh, every year, uh, we'll actually do something, um, which is a bit more of a accurate test, um, which is a blood based test. So it's like a prick test um where allergies are tested for the hair sample um, allergy test is not quite as accurate according to the doctors but it just is an easier way to test for a number of things um so that's why we take that as a rough guide and not as like the gospel truth because we know my son can eat for example um uh, you know the vegetable peppers you get Um, they said that he has a sensitivity towards that However, I think the week that we did the test, he just ate lots of that stuff. So it probably just showed up on a chart somewhere because he used it just fine.
0: (laughs) Okay, so so so, yeah, you you have to also um, take it sort of case by case that every child is going to react slightly differently to some of these these uh, uh, scientific lists that are given out and the methods. Are, you know are, are quite general in a way you know they're not they're yeah. for, for e- each child might react uh, differently so you as parents really have to sort of decide and see and experiment and, and, and get to understand your child and his sensitivities rather than just kind of um, uh, textbook following following the list that's it's quite interesting
1: and that's a great point because um, now that my son is at an age where he's starting to communicate with us you know a few words here and there um, he's able to sort of say, "Oh, Daddy, tummy," or like it's you know something's uncomfortable. So then we can kind of um, retrospectively think back and say, "What has he just had that has caused him to to feel that way?" And if it's something that is uh, an, an anomaly, we're like, "Okay, that's what it was. It was something that he's not had before." Um, I'll give you an example. Yesterday, uh, so my son, because uh, he has eczema, uh, one of the triggers for eczema is citrus. So, things like lemons, limes, oranges, etc. Um, we have recently started to introduce oranges to him. Um, and you can imagine, like, my son has had a very bland diet for the last couple of years because of the allergies. Like, he's eating potatoes and stuff like that. Um, yeah. For him to have an orange is like a new experience. Like, he's like, wow, yeah. this tastes so great. So, we <laughs> had two, two complete, um, kind of easy peel uh, oranges. and he was like daddy tummy itchy so we're like okay there is a bit of a sensitivity there." (laughs) Um, but I was saying a couple of weeks ago my wife saw a video on YouTube about um, I guess children reacting to various um, fruits and stuff like that so um, she saw one with uh, lemons and obviously hilarious and very cute and she said do you want to try it with uh, our son because uh, obviously he has sensitivity and and lemons are right up there (laughs) Um, with sensitivities. Um, I said, yeah, let's just give it a try. And so uh, Musa had a, a little, just a little lick of, of, of lemon and he was like, wow, because he's not really had very much <laughs> flavor in his life. Uh, and then he kind of just took it off me and like just ate like half a lemon by himself. And we were like, Oh my God, he's, he's gonna like, he's gonna like, either he's gonna react and we're gonna have a problem or He's gonna be like, "What is this? It's so bitter, right?" But he was just yeah. like enjoying it. He's like, mm, "Yeah, this is so good." Oh pretty. my god! <laughs> so he ate the whole thing. He ate half a lemon.
0: <laughs> oh, that is hilarious! You need to record some of his reactions to new foods, man. And then when he grows up, just make a montage and show him how he reacted. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly.
1: MashaAllah. Oh, so, so um, funny. yeah, he's 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 mashallah, He's getting better with food. Um, now that also, by the way, he's gone to nursery um we've okay. had to really think about that as well which i'm happy to to go into detail yeah yeah um, do you know do you, yeah
0: yep. i mean uh, uh we're actually looking at nurseries right now okay. for my son so he's yeah. um he's gonna we're hopefully gonna get him to join from january because his yeah. birthday is actually next week so he turns three next week And then uh, I think how it works with the kind of 15 hour funding or whatnot that you get from the government. You have to wait like one term after their birthday to kind of join in. Um, So right now we're spending kind of this this month just looking at nurseries and we're going to sign him up soon. So this will be good to know uh, in terms of your experience of how they uh, deal with kids with allergies. My son doesn't have allergies, but it'll be good to know because it gives me a different insight into nursery culture in a way
1: yeah and and any parents that are uh, about to go on this you know this next step sending your children to, to nursery and they have children not allergies i hope this really helps because i wish i had someone <laughs> to inform me of this so um so firstly uh, because of covid um you cannot really go into the facility um to check it out um when there are kids present basically and that, that's really when um the nursery staff are available to show you anyway so I had to um, firstly assess the nurseries in my area uh, by booking an appointment with them um, and having a look at rooms that were unoccupied to see how they would, um, you know, interact with the children in that environment, um, and also ask all of my questions because so obviously I'm concerned as a parent about my son's allergies. Um, I was very, you know, rest assured uh, by uh, the nursing uh, nursery team. Uh, I met with the, the head of the nursery and like the the deputy who oversees the um, uh, the assistants in the nursery. Yeah, uh, and they walked through um, how they approach the whole allergy situation. So, firstly, um, this nursery is a nut free environment, which I think I think maybe all nurseries are like that, from my understanding. Um, and they have a strict policy, so they don't allow children to bring food from home. Um, although that's, you know, some parents find that difficult because they want to, you know, out of love give their children like an apple or other, you know, food, um, so that they are assured that they are having their nutrition, but, um, they have a strict no nut policy because of children with allergies and accommodating for them. Um, and I asked the question because I was also concerned, Like, "Mm -hmm.
0: was this specific to this nursery that you visited or is this like a general policy?
1: Yeah. So I, I, visited two nurseries. Um, both of them said the same thing. So okay. I just assumed that all nurses the same, but maybe something to check. Um, okay. So when, when I spoke to them about my son, I was also concerned. I was like, I would like to actually give my son like an apple or a snack that I know is on his safe list of things mm-hmm. he can eat. And they said strictly no, because what if for instance, a child has some interaction with nuts and then picks up an apple from home. And then your son interacts with that. You're going to have an issue, right? And so yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So they said that's why it's strictly no uh, no food from home policy. Um, and then they walk through how they um, their procedures for cooking or preparing food in their kitchens. So they supply a menu for uh, breakfast, snack, and lunch, uh, and maybe like a post lunch snack. And they have uh, divided sections in their kitchen, and they have a red plate system. So what that means is, um, first of all, vegetarian food is cooked in isolation to meats Um, they don't provide halal uh, at this particular uh, nursery, Um, but um, they have like a a fixed supply chain. So we can't even say, uh, can we supply halal because they go through a specific contractor. Um, So we opted for vegetarian, obviously, and that vegetarian food is prepared in isolation. But even further, they use separate utensils and um, uh, separate um, ingredients for cooking vegetarian uh, food. And then they have a red plate system. Uh, the red plate system is um, we cook the food for children with allergies, uh, assign them to red plates, and then we seal them. And then when it's time to, um, to eat the food, um, we chaperone the child and make sure that nobody else interacts with them while they eat so it's a very safe kind of clean end-to-end environment Um, they actually mentioned that to encourage the children's education um, they get the children to serve each other so one child or two child or three children are nominated to take the plates from like just outside the kitchen area up into the rooms and then you know place them in front of the right other children um and trying to get them to explain what they have on the plate which is a great thing however because my son has allergies he can't risk that interaction sure so what they said was um just be rest assured although you know there's a little bit of a, a lack of um opportunity to educate in that way don't worry because you know we're still with your child and it's a safety thing and i was absolutely fine with that because i'd rather have that comfort in mind that he's going outside yeah. now he's not home and he's okay so alhamdulillah they were very professional and um, hats off to them I think um, uh, it, it would have been difficult for me to part with my son yeah. if it was a bit tenuous so alhamdulillah
0: how, so how, how's it been so far
1: uh, alhamdulillah he he's been at nursery uh, he's actually unwell uh, last week um, so he's been off for a little while and but alhamdulillah he's had no issues um, he, he, he comes back uh, towards the end of the day, uh, so what happens is at nursery, you have to ring a bell um, and they have several uh, classes. Um, so they have like badgers, owls, etc. And um, my son is, I think, in badgers. And when you press the bell, it makes a sound inside the room. And so all the children know, okay, it's home time now or someone's right. coming now. So some children get a bit emotional because they see uh, other children going. It's not their parent. Yeah, <laughs> 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 It's not my mummy and daddy coming. So... um Musa, towards the end of the day, he gets a bit emotional apparently and he's like, where's my mom and dad? I want to see them but alhamdulillah, uh, you know, he's adapted to it very well Um, they do something called settling in in, bro so when your child child first goes, um, they don't go in like for a full session like a full five hours or whatever it is because they know children need time to get used to the environment so they first do like an hour or two and then they do like a three hour and then like a full session depending on how your child is so so mm-hmm. i I think that you get taken care, well cared cared of. Yeah.
0: Okay. And w- what what have you noticed in his development so far? Obviously, it's probably only been mm-hmm. a couple of weeks. Um, but uh, what what what's what's changed since he's gone okay. to nursery?
1: Okay. So, a little bit of context. Um, when I uh, so I went to Umrah a couple of years ago, alhamdulillah, and I met this lovely brother, uh, actually a family, and uh, they were based. Um, I think they were based, I want to say west coast. I can't remember exactly where, uh, actually, no, in fact, I'm mistaken. They're in Florida, they're near Florida and, um, they were both doctors, physicians. And I was speaking to uh, this brother and I said, you know, I'm really concerned about my son. You know, he's, you know, sort of between the age of one and a half to two. Uh, and he's not really communicating yet. You know, should I be worried? And he said to me, bro, relax. Like children develop at varying speeds and they develop in different areas. So this is perfectly normal. Um, is he able to comprehend what you're saying? And I said, yeah, absolutely. Like when I say something, I know he gets it because if I instruct him to do something, he does it. So he said, okay, well that part of the brain is separate to language communication. So if your son is not able to say that to you, but is able to comprehend, you're in a good place. So. Coming back to your question, what have I seen in development with my son now that he's gone to nursery? I would say his communication is starting to improve. So, he's a bit shy and hesitant in new situations, okay? At home, he's a he's like a, a different character. He's very energetic, <laughs> mashaAllah. Um, he loves to scream and shout the house down, alhamdulillah. But um, outside, he's very pensive and tentative and um, right. kind of reserved now he's starting to get comfortable in uh, other surroundings Um, and one of the things I try to do on the weekends as well um, I have a friend who owns like a corner shop not far from my house so Mm. I always pop in there and they're they're, they're, um, uh, Muslim brothers who who run the shop so I often get him to kind of interact with my son Um, and and he has quite a, um, a very boisterous kind of personality which okay. my son is yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not So he gets yeah, him talking and stuff. So alhamdulillah, I would say the biggest improvement is communication with others. Yeah.
0: That's good. That's good. That's amazing, Alhamdulillah. Mm. Uh, yeah, like when I'm when me and my wife are thinking about kind of obviously nursery and that that whole stage. We we we're confident in Issa's uh my son Issa, his ability to uh communicate and to be social and things like that. He's always been like that. But mm. I think um his 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 kind of social confidence goes too far where he then becomes uh you know uh too energetic and it it can turn into violence and it can turn into physical interactions and all that kind of stuff so he's got too much energy and we're hoping that um with him being in a nursery environment where he has to react to other kids emotions um that situation will help him to understand how he's meant to channel his energy properly because <laughs> when he's at home and he just has a younger sister he thinks he can do whatever he wants he can snatch a toy off her he can he can you know he can run around um even at families uh, going to family's home uh, he's not shy to just run up and down jump on piece- people's beds mm-hmm. etc um and uh, even in the park uh it's uh, it's not kind of a set environment where they where 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 everybody in that environment is looking to develop their child and control their, <laughs> their, their you know what I mean, it's just a park, people go there to play. So yeah. uh, all of these different environments, he would just go crazy. And so we're hoping nursery is the one where he kind of gets
1: channeled, sort of. Uh, that's what I'm hoping, <laughs> so <laughs> let's, let's see what happens. <laughs> uh, well, you know, you raised a very interesting point, which, um, you know, um, I think some people that I've interacted with recently are like, they're asking me, um, how do you encourage your son, especially around like reading and and educating your child? Mm -hmm. And I often say like, well, I don't really force my child in in a lot of things actually. Like, yes, it's good to have some level of discipline and structure, which i you know happy to share what what I do. Um, But actually, I try to figure out where my son, where his interests lie and what his strengths seem to be. And I try to just inspire him to learn. So it isn't really for me restricted to like kind of like an academic view. It's more of like I go to the park with my son and there's something quite powerful about experiential learning, in my opinion. Um, You know, my son, he loves football. He loves football. Um, he, he's got a great left peg, you know, he's really powerful <laughs> with the left foot. Um, the right foot needs a bit of work, but what I do is I just, uh, I, I always ping him the ball on the right. So, uh, to try and get him to be a bit, uh, dexterous with both feet. Um, yeah. but alhamdulillah, like that for me is learning. Like how, how do I interact with other children in the park, older children, younger children? I, I, I don't let my son, um, stay restricted to like the playground. I let him play with yeah. seven-year-olds, 8 year olds, nine-year-olds and, um, even last week um there was a, a kid in the local park he was uh, i was asking me seven years old and he was teaching my son like high five low five and like you know oh you're too slow that kind of thing and i know that some parents that i know of <laughs> i think they make a slight mistake where they say oh i don't want my son to experience any negativity and actually hmm. i think it's very uh, a bad thing you're, you're hindering your child's development i think they need to understand that people can play like these little pranks like oh too slow is just yeah. part of being in the world um Mm. so yeah very much a for me an experiential learning is very valuable um as well as more of a you know book learning type activity right Mm.
0: okay so uh yeah do go into it what what are some Mm. of the things outside of nursery would you do with 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 musa um would you Mm would you sort of, uh, uh, I guess, carry on what's happening in nursery? So would you try to uh, solidify whatever he's doing at nursery and, and, and kind of replicate that at home? Would you look at introducing something else so that he's exposed to other things that he might not get at nursery? Uh, mm. And and like you said, it's not always just academic style learning. It's not just sitting down and getting him to colour in a sheet that teaches him numbers or letters. You're yeah. you, You're saying that there's a lot more experiential things out there
1: yeah and, and and you know this is actually a reflection on my my own self like <clears throat> um i remember uh i was again i, I think it was about a year ago uh, i was to a teacher um so my my cousin's wife is a teacher in the in the u.s and we were talking about the difference between sitting and reading a book about flowers let's say a tulip right you can read all the technical specifications of what it is to be a tulip But to go out into the world and experiencing a tulip, to to smell its fragrance or to look at its color or whatever is something that cannot be learned from uh, sitting in a room. (laughs) So so, uh, I try and find a bit of a balance and in terms of nursery, I let them do their thing and I see it almost as an activity in isolation because I know that they're developing certain skills. But what yeah. I do is um, taking a bit of inspiration from one of the Shiyukh that we <laughs> study with. Um, yeah. I remember he was talking about um, what it means to be a man, yeah, <laughs> and talking <laughs> about developing courses like uh, you know, Rajaloon. Let's let's make some real men. And um, yeah. one of the things I spoke to uh, Sheikh in, in isolation about was um, you know, I wrestle. Uh, I would like to wrestle with my son, like at the time. And he's like, yeah, yeah, encourage you know, like physical. Uh, behavior in the children because they need to have that, especially boys I think. Um, And my son, every time I see him, uh, after he comes from nursery, um, you know, I'm like, daddy's wrestling, daddy's wrestling and I run up to him and I I give him like a (laughs) a wrap around. (laughs) And and he loves it, he loves jumping on me. I think think this is uh, education in my opinion. Um, Mm. Montessori schools are another great example of that because they're all, you know, interacting with uh, nature or, or, or the physical world. Um, And they actually have that as their uh, pedagogy or their their method. Um, So I think it does have value. Um, I think, as I said before, uh, some parents I know really coddle their children. Um, They protect them from any kind of pain or suffering. But I actually do the other other way around. I say, okay, if he falls, he falls. Let him fall. Let him understand what it means to fall, right? (laughs) Because it sets you up for the real world. Um, I think I isn't. think it's easier I yeah. like that
0: as well and I think it's mm. easier for us as fathers to do that uh, compared to compared to the mothers because it generally in maybe a, a typical home setting uh, mm. the, the the wife is maybe around the children a lot more than than the dad is uh, during mm. the day you know if the wife doesn't work and the dad works etc in a kind of a typical household and so for her to uh, spend so much time with the child taking care of the child looking after the child and then to see them get hurt, their immediate reaction is going to be when i need to continue what i'm doing which is caring for the child and taking care of the child or as for us maybe we're not there during the holiday and then we see him fall over we're like ah just get up come on come on come here carry on
1: i I always say to my son like obviously he doesn't understand this yet but i always say whatever happens in the park stays in the park My mum can put you know um the, the kisses on you later but um it, he, he does really well with other children especially if they're they're older as well and I think it's it's okay. good um i and I guess you know from a, more of a uh, I guess book perspective so like mm-hmm. as you know I, I like to read um although I'm a little bit behind on some of the reading I'm doing at the moment <laughs>
0: um I was expecting to see a bookshelf behind you.
1: <laughs> oh, it's behind me, but it's a bit hidden. Oh, there you go. <laughs> but alhamdulillah, um, you might have heard the famous quote, and I think it must have been a US president who said something like, um, uh, leaders are readers. Yeah. Mm. So it's a very important skill and it enriches your understanding of, of life, of the world, you know, and so I do want to encourage my child to to read from an early age although as i say he's three so you know what kind of pressure it would be unrealistic for for you to to push your child at such a young age so i don't really do that but um he does have a small collection of various books that are education focused like understanding the alphabet or understanding numbers and what i find works really well with my son is um trying to associate um images with letters or things so that he can make that association right so a is for apple like very obvious right Uh, those kind of things um he has a lot of picture books which have um you know images of dogs or cats and then he says like oh dog wolf or cat meow that kind of thing yeah Uh, and i think that's at this age more than enough but Mm. the what's the kind of learning by osmosis almost right so i think in some of your other uh Podcast guests, they've also talked about you know, uh, modeling the behaviors that you would like to see in your household. Yeah. So, if you yourself are not reading, how can you expect that your family follows suit? So, yeah. uh, whenever I am doing you know a little bit of reading, I try and be uh, present around my ch- well, let my child be present around me, um, yeah. and also. You know, my child, he comes and plays in this uh, little workspace that I have, and he sees, he's like, oh, right. daddy books, and he picks them up. Oh, and yeah. I don't stop him. Like a lot of parents, I think, that I know, like, oh, yeah. my, my precious book collection, don't touch <laughs> play, play with the toys or whatever. But alhamdulillah, I let him, I let him because uh, although, you know, I'd stop him from ripping them up, yeah, like, <laughs> I, I, I gave him a chance to see that, okay, this is something yeah. to be curious about, right? Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, I, my, obviously, my books have less pictures in them. <laughs> so he's interested in the picture books. Um, but again, like uh, I will start now, like in the next few years, thinking about what does it mean to be an educated person, right? Because this yeah. is a huge question. Um, this is an age old question, by the way. You know, if you really go back, even in the Western tradition, like you've got people like uh, uh, Socrates referring to Plato and some of his thinking, and Aristotle, there's you know, students in the chain. They talk about what does it mean firstly to be a human being? right? And what does it mean to have uh, a good society? Like, huge It's huge all of a
0: sudden got very deep, zarar It is has oh, yeah. got, ve- got very existential and philosophical. We were, we're talking about picture books <laughs> and we're talking about what it means to be a human being. <laughs> is, this, I can, is this what I can expect from Musa? He's just reading me a nice story. And the next thing you know, it's a, it's a deep
1: conversation
0: with him about life.
1: <laughs> I hope so. I hope he's a deep thinker. Um, but you know, as I say, like, I, I, I encourage Musa to go uh, wherever you know he goes, like as I say, I think he has a, a great talent for physical stuff. You know, he pays less attention to books, <laughs> Let's put it that way. <laughs> but we'll see. Um, uh, and yeah, I guess. So re- I cut re- you off thing, though. Right? The- no, cut yeah, the- that's fine. That's fine. I was going to say that I think um, because. It's something innate within us that we want mm. to seek knowledge. And, um, you know, I think it was Aristotle who said something along those lines, that we are knowledge-seeking creatures and we, we want to know, but what is it to know, right? And these types of uh, deep questions really trouble me, <laughs> keep me up at night. Um, and that's why I like to read. And, but the reason why I think it enriches your understanding of the world, right? And yeah. as my son gets older, I want him to appreciate things like the the beauty of the Qur'an, for example, right?
0: Yeah. You
1: know, when you start to study it, not just from a, uh, say, Tadaburi perspective and, and try and reflect on its meanings for yourself, but just understanding the, the linguistics um, and, and mm. the miracle that is the Qur'an. You can really only get there once you have accumulated certain abilities or capacities, you know, in understanding. And that's what I believe books can do for you. They can enable you, um, and have, you know, let's, let's make it analogy. If you go to the gym, right. You go and you build your muscles, right. And you probably heard this before, but reading is like, um, the gym for your brain, right. You, you develop, uh, not only tools, but also the, 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 the energy required to tackle, you know, very complex subjects. Right. And so I would love, you know, my ambition, is uh, very similar to actually when uh, brother Taha came onto your podcast. Uh, I remember he talked about um, the inspiration uh, his father had uh, and the effect it had on his life and the influence of our parents, Um, you know, Taha's father had an aspiration for his son to attend Eton. And because Taha showed potential uh, and and obviously passed those tests, he was able to achieve that goal. Um, And one of the other key things that I found beneficial from Taha's talk was um, that environment that Eton allowed him to see that actually, yeah, I can achieve things. That I was encouraged to 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 explore my potential, and that's really what I want to do for my son Musa. I want to equip yeah. him as best as possible, and I think reading is a key, uh, a key part of that 100%. development.
0: I mean, I, I I did a video a few months ago on on the YouTube channel on why why Muslim dads should read, and. Mm. Uh, it covers pretty much all the points that you explained um, you know because it will you reading means that your children would likely to be attached to books and and, and to read um, mm. and uh, amongst other benefits for yourself like you said it it, it trains the brain uh, to, to, to then take in more information, mm. to then continue to understand things, to then continue, continue to develop knowledge uh, especially mm. in, uh, as you said, in, in uh, looking at the Qur'an if your brain is already adapted to reading and to analysing text and to thinking and pondering over what an author says then mm. it's more likely that you're going to be doing that when it comes to the Qur'an as well um, mm. and that might be some of the reasons why when you do read the Qur'an, if you're not an average reader it mm. might be some of the reasons why you feel like you're not connecting as much Amongst many other things, of course, yeah. that are keeping you away from connecting with the Quran um, uh, Many things that, that scholars can explain in terms of sin and iman and things like that But looking at it just from this angle, uh, mm. that can be one of the reasons uh, uh, why you might not feel yeah. so connected
1: Yes, yeah, such it's such an accurate point and, and I think just one piece of general um, advice that I, I kind of share with um, my, my friends and family is I wasn't really an avid reader actually um, from a young age Um, and I think again it's just my personal opinion but um, you know I think Allah provides you with certain openings in your life right you might have uh, a a physical opening or or have gifts around physical strength you might have uh, emotional or spiritual openings mental openings awakenings and it was only later in life I think that I had a bit more of a mental awakening uh, I, I was naturally inclined, I think I'm gifted by Allah for, for language. Um, you know, I remember at school, I was terrible at maths, terrible at maths. Uh, I couldn't understand it, um, but I was really able to pick up literature quickly. Um, and so I really leant into that. Um, I think there were things along the way that helped me. Like um, when I was nine years old, I was gifted a, a pocket device that helped with um, understanding uh, grammar, uh, understanding uh you know words dictionaries thesaurus uh, and rules um th- through gamification so like you would play like hangman and um yeah. you know stuff like that um and uh, by the way that's a very important point for children i think especially gamifying things
0: yeah
1: helps a lot um but that that device i was hooked to it like and i remember a very vivid memory i was 9 years old i remember it so clearly uh, it was like a summer's day and uh, the device was explaining what a plural was and right. when I understood it I was like wow I've I've learned something independently like I haven't been in a classroom and been instructed I've right actually actually understood and that really helped my confidence uh, in in language um, and, and a few years later when I was in high school um, I was being uh, graded on uh, uh, I think it was probably close to GCSE time uh, I was like a level four uh, English student. Um, but within like a period of like a year, I was like on like the height, like level eight or whatever it, whatever it is now, I don't know what it is, yeah. uh, but I achieved like the, the over, <laughs> uh, and sure. I, I tried to think about what that was. And I, actually, I didn't really do any ad- additional hard work or study. It was just like a natural awakening. I think I had, um, yeah. I was able to read and analyze things, uh, based on general teaching from school. So uh, I guess the point being, uh, look out for those awakenings and and yeah. the way that you can speed that up is to practice put something in your day that takes you towards your goals so if if, yeah. if developing yourself mentally is a goal read and start with not even a page a day just a line a day and even if yeah. it is just the quran it's probably the best thing to yeah. read um, yeah. so that, that that's a, a big recommendation yeah take yeah. action 100
0: no, percent. 100%, 100% I agree with that. I mean, personally, I guess my my uh, uh, fascination with reading uh, was slightly different in, in the sense that me, I was more advantaged, I would say, growing up where I was encouraged a lot. Um, mm. I have fond memories of my auntie, my mum taking me to the library all the time. Mm and uh, allowing me to take out as many books as i wanted even though i couldn't manage to read that many i'd literally come home with like a stack this big and i know i'm not going to read that much but but they, they were okay you know maybe they they went they they were taking all the time whenever i wanted to go or they would just take me um to have a day there and it's like mm. It's like now if we wanted to give our kids an experience, we wouldn't think about the library. But then it was like, let's go to the library. <laughs> and, and that was amazing for me. I loved it. Um, and I think libraries are becoming, and I, I don't know, lots of libraries are being closed down because they're just not being used anymore. Obviously, that's because there's a change in technology and things like that. People can access books very easily now, um, uh, you know, Kindles, etc. But mm. I think the experience of being in a building that's surrounded by books and it has uh, you know different sections for different things there's a wonder to that I think especially for children and um and you know you don't have to spend any money either you know if you wanted to give your child a bit of an experience you make them a library card and uh you know as long as that they're, they're, they're good with books and they don't rip them uh <laughs> it, it's, it doesn't become it's not an expensive hobby it's actually uh a, pretty much a free hobby and 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 it's it's a definitely a good experience and you know i had that and then when i you know at school um i was given certificates for my level of reading for my level of writing things like that yeah. so there was always that kind of encouragement um you know going towards the end of primary school uh i was at parents evenings my teachers would say to my mum give him more books because he's a very good reader and he likes to read and he's he's good at writing and things like that so she would buy me books and allow me to buy books and uh, and things like that and that really set me up for throughout high school throughout my teenage years to go find my own books and to read and now alhamdulillah kind of a whole um, uh, bookshelf and, and and you know what you said earlier about kind of letting your child take those books off the shelf um I definitely believe in that. I mean, earlier on, when, when Easter was very small, when we just had him, uh, we decided to get a bookshelf that, that has doors on it. Because because he's so small, uh, yeah. if he starts to pull books down, it's going to hurt him, right? But now what we've done, um, Sarah, my younger one, she's a bit older now, she's about 15, 16 months. East is almost three years old. So we've got an open bookshelf now. So the bottom mm. row is all of their books, and then all the other rows are our books. And uh, we allow them to then see those books and to, as you said, pull the books off. Yeah, I am careful. I'm a bit, I get, I kind of cringe a bit when they start pulling them down because some of those are very, very old books that I have treasured memories with and they're already kind of tattered on the <laughs> sides. I don't want them to be tattered anymore. But, um, uh, but definitely I allow them to do it because like you said, it, it builds a curiosity. And also uh, um, having their books on the bottom shelf then makes them feel like you know I can go over there I can grab my own books I can read them and uh, and and like you said I will also try to sit down in front of them when I'm reading my books or when I'm reading Quran and try to get them to hear uh, and 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 that's yeah. even whilst they're just playing if they're in front of me they're playing with their toys I'll try to sit there with a book um, if you know as long as I have the time I usually try and do it in the morning before I start work um, and and that kind of you know I'm hoping that. My, my my when i do that my imagination is always like when they grow up they will say things like uh, my my dad was always reading my mm. dad was or he always had a book in his hands and mm. and you hear that from certain successful people now when they reflect upon some of the things their yeah. parents did in their childhood they say things like my dad used to maybe always smile my dad used mm. to have good manners or my 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 uh my dad was always uh, um you know or oh, even the negatives, the kids remember the next day, my dad was always stressed out, my dad was always angry. So I want to make sure they have as many of these positive experiences where they can say, my dad did this and my dad did that. And part of those things is, is reading, uh, because I'm hoping that I'm then setting them up for a future where they are curious people and they, are, they like to be critical.
1: Yeah, and I think it's quite interesting. Um, recently, I've been experimenting about actual location of the books in the house and how it affects behavior so um uh, okay. initially i i would have a like a designated spot for re- like reading as in like the books are in one location and we all sit there and read um okay. later i moved it to um i scattered some books around the house so if the mood ever you know took for my wow. son he would just pick it up and read it um uh, and also i even to this day i put some books in my son's bedroom uh, so that when he's uh just about to sleep it's part of the routine so he would have his bath yeah. and then he would spend 10 or 15 minutes before bed just going through like children's books of you know various kinds um and i think it's very important to build like a, a set of disciplined routine actions because then it becomes um a yeah. habit right um, yeah and habits are very important and, and it, it's a great way to dispel bad, bad behavior or, or, or bad traits like laziness, right? Because if it's part of your routine, you do it regardless, it's like brushing your teeth, you you wouldn't skip yeah. that once it's routine. Yeah. Um, and it's only a few minutes a day and my son loves it now. So like, he, you know, he would rush out of the bath and say, it's book time, book time, and he just, uh, self, uh, sort of self soothe with it in a sense. So he just picked the book and, and go through it himself. Uh, and, and we, as parents try to be a bit creative so when we're reading the book we don't follow the narrative like we just make yeah, up yeah. some random stuff and <laughs> Musa's like oh no he's like he's like he's trying to communicate you're doing it wrong and go back a few years and, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's really great for the development because then they're, they're realizing that okay it's different to what i've understood right mm. uh, and it's such a young age i mean as he gets older he'll be i'm sure he'll be able to you know be reading to us and making up his own stories and that's creativity that you're inculcating right
0: that is, that's that's so funny you're doing it wrong dad <laughs> yeah my, my son says that all the time like if for example i'll i'll test him with like maybe in his numbers and his uh, arabic alphabet or en- english alphabet and I might say something like uh a, B, 3, 4 And he'd be like No you're doing it wrong dad It's A, B, C you know, it's, a, <laughs> it's it's quite funny I remember watching like a viral clip of um, a, a father reciting Quran And then he, he would like, maybe miss a word or something In front of his, his daughter And his daughter would correct him I'm not encouraging that we make purposely make mistakes When reciting Quran But uh, it was just the example of you know um uh teaching your children in that type of way where where, where they're taking ownership of the learning in, in in a sense um and, yeah. and would you say that um uh in terms of reading stories to, to your kids at bedtime you're mentioning i like to do that as well i like to get get the books out just before they go to sleep maybe even mm-hmm. if they're sipping some milk or something and, and 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 going through a book and maybe multiple books couple of different stories uh i think it's great and i think that um Maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm stereotyping, I'm not sure, but do you feel like there is an issue in our culture, maybe South Asians, maybe Muslims in general, where fathers are not doing that or maybe they never used to do that? I'm not sure if I'm I'm projecting something here, but uh, it, it kind of, uh, what comes to mind is that that's not generally a man's thing to do in our culture and it might be more of a feminine trait. But I think that it's very important for the father to take that role. I mean, definitely the mother also should should be doing that. But I think um, making sure the father has that hand in before they go to sleep, they are reading or they're, 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 the father's communicating stories to them. I think that's quite a powerful bonding experience. What do you think?
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I, I can't really comment too much about, I guess, this generation of, of say Asian, uh, their culture and and how they uh, adapt to be honest. I mean, I can tell you about my experience. I I know my my wife does actually do 70 or 80% or maybe even close to 90% of that bedtime reading activity. Um, And that's partly, it's not by design really, it wasn't uh, intentional, but for me, it's because of work and and commitments. And for me, it's important to to recognize that like, uh, you know, men shouldn't be afraid of you know, am I, sh- should I have a 50 50 balance in certain things? I think it's absolutely fine. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, where possible, I engage my son that way, but most of my engagement actually is quite physical, to be honest with you. I, I okay. really, I, re- I wrestle my son. I, I take him to the park. Um, I, I keep him physically active. Um, and occasionally I'll bring up, you know, a physical book. Otherwise I would be, like oral, just just uh, verbal communication, and and yeah. you know, get him to say the alphabet or sing, you know, certain uh, rhymes that he's picked up from from uh, various places. Uh, and by the way, there's uh, so much amazing uh, YouTube content for for Muslim children. Yeah, yeah, um, it's so widely available. So it's really no excuse. Just just keep an eye on, see what they, they see. But um, I I don't have a problem necessarily with uh sharing time with my son in that way uh, even with an ipad and just watching what he watches and sing along with him there's a great one that we love which is um look it up folks it's called uh, upsy daisy and it's uh, time to go to the masjid lovely song uh, <laughs> animation uh, i sing it along with my son every time uh and, and whenever we're out so um you know typically um in the past my son would say oh are we going out to the shops in his own language but really, right. now he's saying, um, "Is it time to go to the masjid? Is it time to go to the masjid?" Because he's <laughs> heard that song, so so it's a great way to encourage them, right? Having that repetition, children learn yeah. by repetition, so
0: that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so, bro, uh, to wrap up in uh, in our kind of final sort of discussion, uh, you 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 have kind of this uh, maybe business on the side, which is to help uh, people mm-hmm. with developing their careers career coaching you could call it um and just just helping uh, people to, to to navigate themselves in 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 their work life um alongside that you also have a full-time job alongside that you're also a parent uh not only any parent a parent that has to be constantly worried about their their child's nutritional needs as well uh and you also find time to read so you know how do you possibly find the time to do all of this what are some of your time management techniques and um, I'm guessing that you try to teach this to some of your clients as well uh, uh, to yeah. to make sure that when they are progressing their career, that they are striking a good balance between work and home. So what would you say are some of
1: your tips when it comes to that? Yeah, so first of all, it's really hard. That's, uh, I, I, you know, I don't think anyone has perfected work-life balance. I, I, if you find someone, let me know, because I would love to learn what they do. Um, <laughs> But, but for me, yeah, I mean, the first lesson is, for, for me personally, is that you do drop the ball from time to time, right? Like, at the moment, I'm behind on some of my readings. So I'm part of, um, well, I'm part of um, a couple of reading circles that are, I guess, the amalgamation, big word, but like s- synthesization of... Um, That's even bigger word. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, s- synth- synthesizing um, Western tradition with um, a-, a, Islamic, a traditional Islamic understanding. Um, so okay. it's like Islamic studies with a bit of a, a lens on what's happening in, in our current time in the Western world. Um, so I'm involved with that group, but I'm behind like a full month on that reading and I've had to drop out So uh, for, for for that month. Um, and that's because of work commitments. So I think the first lesson is recognize that things go up and down, but don't be discouraged by that. Um, always ensure that you have like a, a portion of your day that is a blocked slot for any kind of development so okay. sometimes you know for me it's like um um don't abandon your uh, evening dicker for example right spend 15 minutes and that's your time uh, be a bit selfish with that and, and guard that um, and that habit is actually going to permeate throughout the rest of your uh, activities in your life i think um but don't be afraid if you slip because it happens um but in terms of balancing yeah uh, yeah it, it I find it challenging, but I do have a few things that I use as go-to tools. So one is an app called focus to do, and it's just a okay. way of organizing yeah. your, uh, activities So go and check that out. Um, also, uh, that app in particular uses something called the Pomodoro technique, which some people might be familiar with. It's essentially you, you focus for 25 minutes and then you take a five minute break and there's no excuses. Um, and it's a great way to psychologically. Um, trick yourself really to get things done Um, I won't dwell on it too much people can go and research it but it's a a well-known technique Um, and then also I I try and occasionally just remind myself of the value of the additional activities I'm doing because I think we often forget why it's such hard work I mean I have to put in effort what's the reward here Um, and for me specifically about reading is um, this whole idea of enriching yourself as a human being um i i recently listened to a talk uh shared by one of the brothers uh about what it means to be educated again mm. we're going a bit deep philosophically but it's interesting like um you have a limited time on the earth right at, th- at this point they say the average lifespan is what 60 to 70 maybe 80 right tops yeah um so your time is limited the amount of resources you can access are also limited um, in the sense that google is unlimited you could read anything but you can't read everything right so you need to yeah. know um you know how am i going to spend my time and what should i read and why where is it leading me uh, and of course you know you have your set of islamic studies portion that you should have in your day but also for me it's about understanding where you are and you know how did we get here and what uh, what underlies, what's the paradigm, what is the view that underlies the way I think and mm-hmm. can I challenge that and, and Islam is a great way to, uh, as a criterion to check whether or not that's the best way to live or not um, but for me that's the, that, that's the value and so I remind myself from time to time that okay it's difficult um, and the books that I'm reading are difficult to access as well they're not just like magazines that you can flick through, Yeah, it requires time to think um, but reminding yourself of the value is important. Uh, and then also communicating well with your family is a, such a huge thing. Um, right. your, your, your family have a right upon you, your time as well. Uh, and so just finding that balance, it comes from great communication about your why. Like, why am I spending time doing this? Right. Yeah. Why is it valuable? And I try and tie it back to, to how it benefits them uh, reading, you know, the way that we think in the, the modern world without getting too philosophical is about utility, right? Uh, what is the value of this? You know, what is the benefit? And reading has a lot of, uh, a lot that you can, you know, talk for ages about. Um, but mainly for the family, I would say is to encourage them to, to, uh, reading is a cornerstone of change, right? You know, if you can change yourself, educate yourself, um, look at what it produces uh, and oftentimes, the best example used is Malcolm X, you know, someone who was essentially, I would almost argue, almost literate <laughs> to an extent, you know, he, he had yeah. a few hundred words in his vocabulary, at one point he was in jail, you know, uh, and, and he came out of that experience uh, as an avid reader and it transformed him, uh, you know, he, he was as powerful as a lawyer in his communication, so, so really that's what I see as a vision for the future with my with my family and i have to start with me that's what i realized so that's what motivates me to have the time uh and whenever i slip i just remind myself that hey okay you slip you just get back on the horse it's okay
0: <laughs> nice nice jazakallah khair for coming on in i really appreciate it alhamdulillah it was a really good discussion uh and uh, inshallah if you will accept our invite we'll have you on an another episode as well
1: inshallah jazakallah khair barakallah it was a pleasure Being here, and I'm happy to come on again. Um, thank you for your time. No problem. Well, I guess